It is so good to see you guys again. Man, it's great to be home here in Florida. Uh, some of you know I was asked to speak at a pastor's conference out in Phoenix. And so Jennifer and I decided to take our four kids on a road trip cross country. And we put on thousands of miles on our vehicle and we drove to the Grand Canyon. We drove to Sedona and the petrified forest and painted desert. It was incredible. It was amazing. So grateful to get to see these places uh, with our crew. But man, it was a lot of miles. And I apologize if we are connected on social media because I blew up your feed this last week. <laughs> but I'm telling you, like every place we went, just like time and time again, I was just like, wow, God, look what you made. This is amazing. And we were taking pictures and just sitting around just staring at God's creation. Uh, I feel refreshed in my soul and my spirit. I'm excited to preach today. I'm so, so grateful for Phil Lewis and our worship team and our leaders who've got us off to just such a great start in this All the Fields teaching series. We're, we're addressing uh, topics related to mental health and we are talking about how to renew our minds in Christ. And now that it's May, it's actually Mental Health Awareness Month. And so some of these issues we're tackling in this series have high relevance to you in your life or to somebody that you love. And so I'm so glad that you're here today. I hope you will take notes for yourself or someone you care about. And, and a lot of the, the things that, that we're touching on in this series, there, there's, there's certain aspects to them that require special care. Special care and how we talk about them, how we interact with them, and sometimes you need specialized help to get through them. And so I really appreciate Phil talking about the importance of seeing a Christian counselor or a mental health health therapist, someone that can help you work through those issues if you have some really complex situations in your life or in your past. However, from my experience and just pastoring people for a lot of years now and just looking at my own life, a lot of the, the mental battles that we face, a lot of the areas where we lack health in our minds, it has to do with truly under the surface, the root issue for most of us, most of the time, is truly a lack of trust in God and a lack of obedience to what, he, what we know he's asked us to do. And so today we're going to take that angle on looking at our, our health mentally and how to renew our minds in Christ from Romans chapter 12. I encourage you to open up your Bible, power it on, let's get after it. Romans chapter 12, I've titled this message, Stuck in Your Own Mind. And if you've ever felt stuck in your own mind or you get there, I, I believe this message is going to be incredibly helpful. So Romans chapter 12, let's roll up our sleeves and take a look at verse 1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So our, our true and proper worship is to live a life that pleases God, to live for him in everything that we do, to love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to walk in his ways. This is what it's telling us here. This is our real worship. It's, it's how we live our life. But take a look at verse two. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Come on, somebody say transformed. Yeah, that's right. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. It tells us to be transformed. Come on, somebody say transformed. That's right. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Did you notice that how we are transformed in Christ is, is, is a battle that happens in our mind. It's, it's, it's a mental transformation that happens that affects all of our life. Something inside that impacts everything on the outside. But it begins by the renewing of our mind. Renewing of our minds in Christ. And, and, and I, see a, I see a pattern here in the words that are laid out in verse 2. Did you notice it? 
It begins with do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And that ends with then you will. So it's, it's really in a sense an if-then statement. If you will not conform to the pattern of this world, if you, will, if you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will know what God's will is. Then in your mind you will have peace about what God's will is. You will understand in your mind what God wants you to do and God's ways are best. So you will know the way that you should walk in your life, how you should live when you do not conform to the pattern of this world and when you are transformed in your mind, you will mentally understand what God's will is. This trip we had was, was truly incredible, trip of a lifetime, so thankful to get to experience it with my kids and the ages they are coming into the, and in these teenage years, uh, truly an amazing time. And one of the things that we did, we couldn't have done when they were younger, was we got to do some hiking. Some hiking, specifically in Sedona, we went to this place called Cathedral Rock. It's beautiful, massive rock formations. God creates just such amazing things. And, and we were there, and we decided to go on a hike up Cathedral Rock, like so many people do, and realize that there's no bathrooms at Cathedral Rock, which is a big deal when you have six people on a hike. <laughs> so we had some adventures, but it, it was really fun. And, and we get up to about a third of the way up this mountain, and we're looking out on this plateau, and you, you can just see all out of these beautiful rocks and the views out over the horizon. It was truly amazing. And, and some of my kids said, hey, dad, can we go up a little bit higher? Now, we didn't intend to necessarily hike the entire cathedral rock, but we, we said, all right, let's, let's go a little bit higher. And so a few of my kids got together with me, and we started hiking up these rocks. And, and as you go from the one-third point to the two-third point, it's, it starts to get pretty steep. And so we're climbing up these boulders and climbing over these rocks, and it's so fun, so adventurous. We're having a great time, but it was work. We're sweating a little bit. We're making sure we're not close to the edges. We're just being as careful as we can, but it's a lot of work. But when we got up to the top, and I love this picture of these <laughs> my kids that went up with me because Macy, my youngest, she's nine years old, she only had flip-flops on the trip. She's such a Florida girl, literally lived here like almost her entire life, and she literally didn't have any shoes with her on the trip except flip-flops. And so she's like, I want to go up. And I'm like, but you got flip-flops. And she climbed up in her flip-flops. But we get up to the top, and, and we could just look out, and, and the views, they were so incredible in every direction. It was, it was a lot of work to get there, but once we got up to that point, we could see so far. It was an amazing view, truly incredible view. And in this passage of Scripture, it's telling us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead take a step up into transformation. And when you do that work, that hard work of spiritual and mental transformation in Christ, you step up to a higher plane. You step up to a higher level. You see things differently. You start to understand your life and the world from God's vantage point. And it's a lot of work to get there, to not conform to the pattern of this world, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But once that happens, what's God's promise to you in Scripture? What's his promise? Did you see that? He says, then you will, not maybe, then you will know God's will. You will understand his will in your life. It doesn't mean you'll understand the ins and outs of every specific step he wants you to take for the rest of your life, but you'll know what his will is. You'll know what pleases him. You'll know how to live for him. And so it's an amazing viewpoint when you start to see things from God's perspective. But here's, here's the point. When I'm still down here living in the world, walking in the ways of the world, when I'm still here in the world, my mind has not been transformed and I'm still conforming to the pattern of this world. I'm living like everybody else. Look, as a Christian, your life should look very different than the person that you know that doesn't know Jesus. If it doesn't, that's our problem. It should look radically different. 
It should cause them to ask questions. We're light in the darkness, and so if we're still walking in the ways of darkness but claiming to believe in the light, there's, there's this contrast in us, this conflict in us. And the Bible calls us a liar. The Bible says if we, we claim to believe in God, but, but, but we don't follow his ways, we don't live for him, right? If we, we claim we have no sin, everything's good, I'm fine down here in the dark. We, we make him out to be a liar. But it tells us instead to not conform to the pattern of this world, but to step up into transformation. And when I step up into transformation, I start to see things from God's perspective. I see things differently because I'm not living in the ways of the world anymore. I've been, I've been transformed, I've been set apart. That's holiness, living differently than what we see in the world. And when you start to step up into transformation, here's, here's the important point. My eyes see farther when my mind starts to think higher. My, my mind starts to think differently. I, th I think higher. I think from God's perspective, from God's eyes. And so I can see farther out. I can see differently. My life is transformed and changed. So how, how is my mind transformed and changed? What's transformation look like? Well, well, there's a number of things. It begins in God's word, knowing his word. It, it begins in prayer, praying with and talking to God. I, I heard an old preacher recently say, you know, I, I heard God's audible voice. Now that caught my attention because I've prayed a long time and I've never heard God's voice thunder from the heavens. I've felt it inside of me in his spirit, but I've never heard his audible voice. And this preacher that I trust immensely said, I heard God's audible voice. And so I'm leaning in like, what is he going to say? And he picked up his Bible and he said, I heard God's audible voice when I read his word out loud. <laughs> and I smile like you're smiling right now because... Because, is he right? I mean, this is God's voice to us. This is how he chooses to speak to us so that it would be clear. So that we would understand and know. And it begins, transformation begins when I'm in God's word. Are you in God's word every day? Are you truly in God's word, studying it, applying it, meditating on it? Or are you settling for 30 minutes once a week? A pastor to spoon feed you a little bit of God's word, maybe a podcast here and there, occasional devotional. That's not enough. You're spiritually malnourished and starving if that's all you're getting. You need to daily meditate on God's word. That's how our, our minds are transformed and, and not just stop with that because some of you have been doing that, but it's, it's taking it further. It's praying through scripture, applying it to our lives. James 1, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. Right, it's, it's applying God's word to our life. It's, it's being committed to and surrendered to God's work in community, being a part of a Christian church and a gathering like you are. And being involved and immersed in it, not just like, watching an occasional message, not just, not just kind of say, hey, I'm a part of that church, that's my home church, but no, getting involved in that church. And as your family, serving each other, loving on each other, meeting together on a regular basis. This is God's plan for us. And not just that, but prioritizing worship. You're here this weekend, you're worshiping the Lord, you're, you're praising him through, through your singing, but also just by gathering together in corporate worship, we are prioritizing the gathering of believers. And it tells us in Hebrews, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Believe it or not, there's still, I mean, our, our church has grown immensely uh, since COVID. There's been a lot of amazing things happening, but there's still some people who got out of the habit of gathering during the season of COVID, not just in our church, but in many churches, and they still haven't returned. They, they've got out of the habit of something that's really good for them. And God says, do not give up that gathering together uh, among believers. And so you're prioritizing that. You're showing, you're displaying to the world that this is important. It's a ministry of presence by being here. So important. I heard a statement one time that said, you know, we, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. And, and when we step up to this higher vantage point, we, when we step up 
to this higher perspective, what happens is we start to see things differently because we are different. So this first step, if I were to label it, I would label it transformation. That, that's my number one goal. If I'm trying to figure out things mentally, if I'm trying to figure out where, which way is up, and, I, and I'm, I'm stuck in my mind, I'm stuck in my mind, the first step is to step up into transformation. And when, I, and when I take this amazing step up into transformation, everything around me changes. Everything I see changes. How I look at the world changes. It changes through this interior transformation. And so that's, that's the first step, stepping up into transformation. John chapter 8. Let's look at the, the gospel of John chapter 8, verse 23. I want you to notice what Jesus says about perspective. So Jesus continued, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Jesus says, I'm, I'm from above. I'm from a higher plane. I see things differently. I'm from heaven, but you're from below. So there's this gap between our perspective, our reality, how we think and how God thinks, how we understand and how God understands. From our thoughts to God's thoughts, there's a massive gap. Humans are always trying to lower God's perspective and God's wisdom. We're trying to bring God down to us, and we're always trying to think higher of ourselves than, than what we should, right? We're, the Bible says to think of yourself with sober judgment, but we're, we all have elevated judgment of ourselves. But when we truly see this part of why worship is so powerful, when you see how great God is, and you see how far you fall and you see your sin and that gap and you realize that Jesus stood in that gap. Heaven came down to earth. God with us, Jesus came and walked among us. He was tempted in every way that you were, but he was without sin, which means he can help you in your temptations. He can help you in your mental struggles because he's been there, he's been tempted, but he did not sin. And he says that, that no temptation has seized you except what's common to man. But God is faithful. He'll provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. God can help you. He wants to help you. Jesus can walk with you through it. But the he heaven came down to earth to show us a better way. But not just to model for us what it looks like to live a holy life. That was truly part of it. He lived without sin so we could see that that's possible. We could see what God's presence on earth would really look like. But even more so, he came to provide a solution for our brokenness and our sinfulness. And, and he died a sinner's death on a cross. The one person who was without sin, he died a sinner's death on that Roman cross for you and for me because he loved us so much. He wanted to display his love but also make the ultimate sacrifice of giving his life, his innocent life for our sins. Taking on God's wrath for your sins, for, for all the wickedness and all the evil in this world. He took that on his own shoulders as he hung there on the cross. He said, if anyone will look to me and ask for the forgiveness of their sins and receive my gift of salvation, believe in me, repent of their sins, they will be transformed. They will be forgiven, transformed from the ways of this world into the ways of heaven, be renewed, step up into this amazing grace of God. It's an, inc it's an incredible thing that, that God has done. And, and, but he doesn't ask us just to stop with belief. Once we take that step up into transformation, there's actually a second step that I want to talk to you about just for a moment. And I want to explain it this way. When we were out west, we, we went to the Grand Canyon. That was probably like the, the peak of the trip. 
get to see the Grand Canyon as beautiful views. It was truly phenomenal. We've been looking forward to this for so long. I've been there twice in my life, actually several times in my life, but twice I'd hiked to the bottom of it. Once with my dad, which was an experience I'll never forget when I was 19 years old, and once in my 20s with my father-in-law. And so it's a special place for me. It's a memorable place. I couldn't wait to take my kids. And so uh, we were headed out to the Grand Canyon, and we needed to stop it and get some food on the way. We were staying in Flagstaff. We needed to stop at Walgreens. We had a couple errands to run. So I'd already pr- plugged into my phone the Grand Canyon, and I put it up on the dash. Well, Jennifer just quick, hey, we're going to just make a quick stop. Let me just put it on my phone, uh, this local place. And so she, she plugged it in, and she put it up on the, on the dash as well. And so I have these two phones with two different GPSs going two different places on the, on the dash. And I, and I knew which one was which. <laughs> I, I knew it, where I needed to go first, and I knew where I ultimately needed to go. But every time I got to a stoplight, every time I got to a turn, I kept accidentally looking at the wrong phone. I kept looking at my phone that I put up there first. And normally we'd just add a stop on our GPS and it would take us along the way. But just how it happened, she plugged hers in, I plugged mine in, they're both up there. I kept accidentally looking at her GPS on her phone. And, and, and every time I looked at her map, uh, I was going the right direction. Every time I looked at mine, I was going the wrong direction. And Jennifer could tell I was so confused. Every time I pulled up to an intersection, I didn't know which way to go. It just took me a quick minute to figure it out. And, and so like every good wife does, <laughs> when she sees her husband confused, going the wrong direction. She instantly grabbed my phone and she solved the problem very simply. This big problem in my mind, she solved it real simply. She just took my phone and put it down in her lap. (laughs) But as soon as she did, the moment she did, I had clarity. I knew exactly where I was going. It was easy. I knew to turn right or turn left and we got where we needed to go. We got where we needed to go. We put mine back up and we got to the Grand Canyon. Some of us are confused in life because we still have one foot in the world and we have one one foot in, in God's kingdom. And we're trying to ride the fence. We're trying to live for God. We believe in God. We want to follow God, but we also still love the ways of the world. And we're, we're trying, to, trying to find satisfaction in the world and satisfaction in God. And we're living this double life. And, and, and part of the mental battles is that we don't fully trust God in transformation. The reason why you're stuck in your mind is because you have not yet fully believed, fully trusted in God that his ways are higher, that his ways are better. And when you step up and truly experience full transformation, you say, I'm abandoning the ways of the world. The ways of the world are broken. They do not work. They will not satisfy my soul. They'll provide momentary, momentary joy, momentary pleasure momentary fulfillment, but it will not last. And and I abandon the ways of the world and I step up into full transformation in Christ and I start to see things different. But it's not just enough to believe and start to be transformed. There's a second step of obedience. And, And obedience is when I take my beliefs and I put them into action. Remember when I said, then you will know the will of God? Then you will know the will of God after you've been transformed and you no longer conform. Once you know God's will to solve many of the mental battles that we face is doing what we already know, right? It's stepping up into obedience. It's stepping up and doing exactly what we know God has asked us to do in our family, in our character, in our choices. Living that life of holiness and integrity and trusting God, fully trusting him. And when you start to obey God, you see things differently. Because now, once you've taken this step, you have wisdom that you did not have when you just merely believed, or more so when you were here conforming to the pattern of this world. You have wisdom now, when when you step up, you have wisdom that you didn't have, because we understand life looking backwards, right? We understand looking back from experience. I mean, heaven will be incredible if we get to see this world as it was, as we were, from heaven's perspective. There'll be so much wisdom and knowledge that we'll have that we don't have now, that we don't practice now, I should say. 
But when you step up into obedience, you learn from experience, and you, and you step up and you say, wow, I see things different than I used to. Now that I'm obeying God and I'm following his ways, I see the fruit of it. I see how true it is. I understand what God meant and why that's so foolish and why this is so wise. We understand things differently as we start to obey. And some of our biggest mental problems, some of our biggest mental battles come because either a lack of truly trusting in God and not experiencing transformation, not being all in, or not taking the step of obedience to really follow God. So here's my question for you. Is there any area in your life where you either are one foot in, one foot out, or you know the right thing to do, you believe it, you're fully in, you believe it's the right way, but you haven't yet acted on it. What is that area in your life? Because that area of your life, I guarantee you, it's causing some mental battles that you don't need to struggle with. It's causing some mental complexity in your life that just simply can go away by trusting in God and being obedient. Certainly there's some complexities in our life and our mental health that, that we have to spend some extra time and effort and intentionality, get some help on. But for the majority of us, most of us, most of the time, the biggest mental battles that we face are solved simply by trusting God and obeying his word. Here's the lesson if you wanna jot something down today. Obedience in my life builds peace in my mind. Obedience in my life builds peace in my mind. I can truly have peace in my mind when I become obedient to God's way and his word. Jayla and I came out of our, our hotel in, in Flagstaff before we headed to the Grand Canyon, and uh, we, we jumped in real quick. We, our job was to pull the vehicle around to pick up the family, and so I hopped in the driver's seat, and I start driving down the road in front of the hotel, circling around, and my son, as soon as I pulled onto that road, he says, Dad, you just went the wrong way down a one-way street, the same street that I had driven the same direction on the night before when I parked the car. He's like, Dad, you drove the wrong way down a one-way street. And I think, I can't believe I did that. And I look up around me, and I can tell, yep, I definitely did that. <laughs> now, it's a lot of pressure driving with a 15-year-old, like my son Jalen, because he's just taken all his driver's training classes. So he knows every legal uh, traffic law better than I do, far better than I do. He, he knows them all. He's just studied them. He, he's looking at every angle of everything because he's so excited to start driving. So he's watching everything. He's watching me, and I know he's watching me. So I don't want to make any mistakes because my son is watching me. And however I drive is probably going to affect how he drives. So I know he's watching me. So when he says you went the wrong way down the one-way street, I'm thinking, oh, no, this is, this is terrible. And so I start thinking in my mind instantly, well, hopefully the sign was very minuscule in a hidden place. I just couldn't see it. That's why I can make a mistake. And so as we start to pull around and pick up the family, I'm thinking when I pull out, I want to look down that road because maybe, you know, I'm, I'm blaming the signage. Maybe it's just, maybe there was no sign and I pull out. And I looked down that road that I, I went the wrong way down, and there's three or four large glowing signs on both sides of the road. <laughs> they, they literally just, they couldn't be more clear. They're, they're on both sides of the road. This just stood out to me. They're glowing in my mind because, like, I, I, there's no way I should have missed those, but I did miss those signs. New place, different road, but I, I just missed it. And, and sometimes we're, we're going so hard and so fast in the direction we are, we're, we're, we're conforming to the pattern of the world, and we, in our mind, we think, hey, this, this is the right way, and, and, and this is what everyone's doing, and this is the right thing. It's so confusing for kids in schools these days. I mean, just the things that they're learning, the things that their peers are doing, it was so different even when I was growing up, and the, and the, the pressure to conform to things that they would never normally do, but because it's a, a trend, because it's a, a popular thing in school, be, you know, to conform to the pattern of this world, is, that pressure is so high. The Bible says do not conform, and, and you might be going a certain direction. You, you might be blaming others. You might be making excuses. But Proverbs chapter 14, 
verse 12 in God's word warns us. It says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And some of us in that area that the Holy Spirit's convicting you of today, you've been going the wrong way. You've been living against God. You've been living against his ways. You've been doing, you know it's sin. You know it's wrong. The Holy Spirit's been convicting you. And, and you either haven't fully believed that God's ways are better, you're still playing with the ways of the world, or you just haven't done what you know is the right thing to do. And the Bible tells us that that's a one-way street. You're headed for destruction. It will ruin you. Sin destroys. It leads to death. And, and you're headed the wrong way on the one-way street. And, and the Bible tells us there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. Is there any area in your life like that? The Bible tells you if, if it is, to repent from it. If there's any area in, like that in your life, to repent, to turn, to go a different direction. You've been going the wrong way on the, the one-way street. You need to turn and go the other direction. I want to give you a few examples of mental battles because perhaps some of this, you, know, you understand theologically, you understand philosophically, but, but how does it actually work in my life? I just want to give you three specific and quick examples. Uh, there may be someone here today who's not getting what they want out of the season of life, maybe out of a, a circumstance in your life, or perhaps out of a relationship. And there's something that you want that you're not getting. You're not getting it, and so you're frustrated, you're discouraged, maybe you're in despair, depression, uh, maybe it's causing you to be anxious, but there's all these mental challenges and battles in your mind because you're not getting what you actually want. When you step up into transformation, you believe in God, you trust in him, say, God, I'm gonna trust you in this situation. And then God, I'm gonna be obedient to what you asked me to do. And in that situation, you experience transformation and then obedience. You start to get a greater understanding from God's vantage point and his viewpoint of that situation in your life. You start to see that other person differently. You start to see yourself differently. You realize it's not about your needs and what needs are not being met, but you're actually here for the pleasure of God to please him to serve him, you're here to make a difference. And so you start loving people differently. You start forgiving people differently. You start serving the Lord's purposes and honoring him. And, and it starts to work and you, you, you find joy in serving the Lord, even in an ideal situation. You, you start to find peace in your mind and your heart because you have followed God's ways. It helps everything change. A second example I'll give you is, is when there's unresolved mental battles in your mind, mental issues in your mind, and you struggle with them over and over again. And, and because they are unresolved, it might be a childhood wound that you need to sit down and talk to a counselor and work through. It, it might be some theological issue or practical issue in your life that's unresolved. And because you have these large looming issues in the dark corners of your heart, maybe no one knows about them, but they're unresolved. Because of that tension that's there, you, like many people, go to unhealthy coping mechanisms. And these unhealthy coping mechanisms, every counselor that sits down with you and talks to you about your mental health, they're going to say, hey, look, these destructive things in your life, they're, they're unhealthy, and you're just using them to medicate the underlying problem. So let's, let's do some work, and let's get at the underlying problem. And if you haven't done the work to get at the underlying issues, you're going to start coping in unhealthy ways. It can take on so many different forms, but let me give you some examples. It might be overuse of alcohol or other substances to numb the pain. It could be overeating. It could be scrolling endlessly on your phone or television channels. It could be gaming. It could even be a good thing like sports that you're just over, overdoing. It could be pornography. It could be overspending. It could be oversleeping or obsessive worrying. There's so many things that people use for, for coping because we have not addressed the underlying mental issue. But when you realize that God gives you the power 
to confess your sin to him, to confess the problem to another person. And, and, and the underlying issue might not even be a sin. It might be someone else's sin that affected you, maybe a long time ago, but you've never addressed it. You realize that God gives you courage to not live in fear, but to confront the issue, and you start to believe that God can help you. You start to believe that confession is the answer, bringing the, what's in the dark into the light. And you take that step, you start to experience freedom, freedom from the unhealthy coping ways that you have, have surrendered to. You start to experience mental peace and abundant joy in God when you confess, when you come into the light. The third example I'll give you is, is worrying over lack of trust ultimately in God. This takes on, on many forms and many aspects of our life, but not trusting God in practice. And for example, our, our financial needs are probably the biggest area I hear people talking about when it comes to trusting. Trusting God and worry and, hey, pray for me in this area. And it's related to our jobs and our income and our finances. And, and you know, our money says in God we trust, but it's probably the biggest and hardest area for a Christian to truly trust in God. It's one of the last things that we surrender to God in our spiritual maturity. You can almost track your spiritual development with how you surrender your finances to to God and trust God to help you in those things. It might be trusting him and making the bills or to be a generous person and honor God. But we resist that. We resist it. When it comes to giving of our tithes and offerings, it's one of the last things that people trust God on. The scripture is clear, trusting God with our first fruits, giving to him first, honoring him with that first tenth, which is what a tithe is. And, and, and he says, give to me and return to me what's mine. Honor me with your finances. But many people struggle in that in their minds. They don't really trust God. They're still wanting to live in the ways of the world, provide for themselves, trust in their own ability, their own financial security, and they put their trust in money instead of in God. But when someone starts to understand it and they say, no, this is actually a, a symptom of a deeper core issue, which is trust in God, and I start to do that, I start to really trust in God in my mind, and I become obedient to what he asked me to do. God, you own it all. God, I'm gonna return to you the tithe. I'm gonna live a generous life. When I start to do that, I start to experience mental peace. I trust in God, and so I, I see the benefits of it from this higher vantage point. Wow, when, when I live for you and my finances, God, there's great joy to fund your kingdom work to see lives transformed and changed. God, I, I see that everything is from you and everything is for you. When I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, all these other things, God, you, you'll take care of them. God, I'm building lasting treasure in heaven. We start to see things differently after we believe it, after we obey, but not before. So we are on this road trip. I try to give you a few examples here, but let me illustrate it this way. While we are on this, this road trip with our family, and I've been sharing a little bit about this, but we, we had so many hours in the car, as many spectacular things as we saw. Uh, there were so many ordinary moments where we were just driving down the highway. And so Jen was was really wise to think ahead, and she had got our kids all these books about the different states that we were going through. And so they were learning as we were driving, and she was sharing with them different things, and they were learning about the states and asking questions. It was amazing. And, and then there was a lot of times where they were just, you know, driving down the highway for hours and hours, and so they're playing games on their phones. And so we're, we're, we're cruising down the road, and, and every once in a while, this, this nothingness that you see out across the plains will break into this beautiful view of a mountain or a lake, or we're driving over an amazing bridge or through an incredible city. And, and, and I would find myself so often saying, hey kids, hey kids, look up, look up, look up, hey, hey kids, look up, look, look out the window, <laughs> look out dad's window, look out mom's window, and, and they would all look, look up, and they would say, oh wow, that's amazing, and they'd admire it, and, and they're so thankful because they would have missed it because they were looking down, and, and God today, I think what he's telling so many of us is, is look up to a higher plane, like I see your life differently than you do. I see things with a higher level of wisdom and understanding. I, I just understand your life and your mental battles better and different than you do. So look up, see, see higher, like a good father would want their children to see what they don't see. 
God is looking at you in that same way and he's saying, hey, I want you to see something you're missing. And while you're down here conforming to the pattern of the world, you're actually missing out on what I really want to do in your life. And if you'll step up into transformation, you'll see things differently. You'll see things from my perspective. And not only that, if you'll obey what I tell you to do, it will resolve so much of the tension in your life. So much of the tension and problems in your life come from knowing the right thing and not doing it or not fully trusting in God and experiencing transformation. Isaiah chapter 55, look at me at this brief verse. 55 verse eight, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And God is telling us today, like his, his ways are just absolutely higher and he understands things different. And every time I resist God's way, in any one of those three areas we just talked about, in any other areas of mental battles in our life, and I'm still conforming to the pattern of this world, I'm not experiencing the peace in my mind that God wants. And when I believe but I don't obey, I'm missing out on the abundant joy and peace that God wants to offer me as I truly follow him. Here's, here's the final lesson today. When I feel stuck in my mind, I can trust God's truth. I can trust God's ways. I can trust his word that what he says is true and what he says will actually bring me a better peace than I will find as I go down every back road trying to figure it out myself, as I go the wrong way down the one-way street. I'm, I'm trying to figure out mental peace on my own. And what's gonna happen is I'll never find it. But when I trust God's word and I trust his ways, that's where the peace comes. That's where the joy comes. So let me ask you today, what is God saying to you? What area in your life do you need to surrender to God? What area in your life are, are you still not obeying what you know he's asked you to do? What area in your life are, are you not all the way in? You're trying to still live in the world, but you're you know, also trying to believe in God. Where do you need to abandon the ways of the world? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Listen, his will for your life is so perfect. It's so good, it's so amazing. But you have to first believe and repent and turn from your sins. I'd like to close today's message with prayer, but I'd also like to share a brief uh, story before I, I, I pray for you. And it's a, it's a brief story that comes from Corey Ten Boom and, and a book that she wrote called Tramp for the Lord. And in this book, she talked about a woman that she met in Russia during the Cold War. And this was at a time when Christians were being heavily persecuted in Russia. And this is what she writes in her book. She says, this old woman that I met in her home, she was reclining on a sofa. MS had caused her body to be twisted in every direction and this multiple sclerosis diagnosis that she had been given had radically changed her life. Uh, she was dependent on, on pillows and, and she was propped up just to, to stay mobile and, and she really had no, mo no mobility at all. Her husband uh, had, was consumed with caring for her and, and her index finger on her right hand was the only thing that she could really control in her own power, nothing else. And, and she writes, but it, but it moved, this finger that she could control, it moved so effortlessly across the typewriter on the keyboard all day and all night. And she translated the Bible and other Christian books into the Russian language. And Corey Tim Boom, as she saw this woman uh, there at her typewriter, all curled up and her, her body um, just struggling to survive, she had such compassion on, on her. And she came over to her and she prayed this prayer, oh Lord, oh Lord, why don't you heal this poor woman? At which point her husband interjected and, and he saw how moved that Corey Ten Boom was. And, and what he said is, God has a purpose in my wife's sickness. Every other Christian in this city is watched so closely by the secret police. But because she has been so sick for so long, no one else looks in on her. They leave us alone and she is the only person who can translate God's word undetected by the police. Maybe you have some why questions. God, why did you allow this to happen? God, why is my circumstances this way? God, why did you allow these certain things in my life that I never would have chosen? 
But the more you experience transformation in God and no longer conform to the pattern of this world, the more you believe and step up into God's way of thinking and understanding, you can see that God has a purpose, even in our, our greatest why questions, e- even in the, the unsolved mysteries of our mind and our lives, like God, why? I don't understand. The more that you start to trust in God and believe in his ways, that his ways are higher, and I may not get it, but God, I, I get you and I understand you and I trust you. And the more you believe and then walk in obedience, you will see God transform not only your mind, but how you think about your life to understand his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And where we started today, when you do not conform to the pattern of this world, but you're transformed, then you will know. Then you will know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. So friend, whatever it is today that God's been working on in your life, I just want to ask you to open it up to him in prayer right now. And just come before him and say, God, here's the area of my life where I'm one foot in, one foot out. God, God, here's the area of my life where I have not yet obeyed what you've asked me to do. And I want to turn that over to you, and I want to leave here determined to be obedient to what you ask, to know your word, to get in your word daily, and through prayer, seek your presence and truly trust you. So I'd like to pray for you now that that God will really help you to live this out in your weekly life. Right on? Right on. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you so much for your amazing grace for us. God, we thank you for the, the power of transformation that comes when we no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but we trust in you, Jesus. We set our eyes on you, the things above. And God, whatever it is in our lives right now that, that's causing this, the mental confusion and, and the lack of clarity, the struggles in our life, God, we, we want to turn from those things and turn to you. And God, we may need to go get extra help, but we know for many of us that the battles that we face in our mind are primarily battles that, that we are, are losing because we're not fully trusting in you and we're not being obedient to what you've already asked us to do. So God, today we surrender to you in a greater way. And whatever the Holy Spirit's been convicting us of today, God, we wanna bring that before you. And right now, I encourage you to do that. Just bring that before the Lord. Say, God, here's the area of my life where I need to fully trust you in my mind. And I wanna seek your peace in my mind. God, I haven't been all the way in and I wanna be all in for you. I've still been walking in the ways of the world and I'm experiencing the fruit of darkness, walking in darkness. I'm, I'm stumbling, I'm tripping all over myself. But God, I wanna come into the light as you are in the light. And some of you, you have done that. You've received Jesus, you're walking with him, you're living for him, but, but there's still another step of obedience and there's some area of your life that you can feel the weight of God just pressing in on your life right now because he wants better for you. He's a jealous God, he wants all of your heart and you haven't yet surrendered to this area of your life. And right now in this prayer, I wanna ask you to make this step and say, God, I trust you and I'm gonna be obedient. And you need to think through and tell God right now in your prayer what it is you need to go and do. What is it in your life that you have yet to obey God in? You're resisting. You're not trusting. You need to step up into that higher level of of mental peace by being obedient to God. You'll never sleep so good as a heart that has been cleansed and forgiven and is trusting and walking in the ways of God. God, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness when we fail. We thank you for the faith that you allow us to have in you that confidence we have to trust in you in all things. It's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen.